The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. So we're in this uh, this verse by verse journey through the book of First Peter, and we've been studying uh, through through this text on how to live in this world as misfits. We've been reminded that our lives in many ways are to look different than the secular world around us. Like we should not just look like everybody else. We shouldn't believe the same things they believe. We should not behave in the same ways that they behave. And we are in this particular part of chapter 3 where Peter addresses an incredibly relevant topic to our culture Namely, he's talking about the relationship between a husband and a wife. And I've said this a few times, but how many know this to be the case, that marriages in our nation are under attack? Hear me well, marriages in the church and, may I say, in our church are under attack. And so I don't believe there's anything more important than we could that we could talk about this morning than the family. A couple of weeks ago, we unpacked verses 1 through 6, which address how women can be godly wives. Today, our text addresses the men. And the lady said, Amen, Amen all right? Now, ladies, here's the deal. <laughs> our last sermon out of 1 Peter, he, he devotes six verses to the ladies and he's t- giving you instruction on how to be a godly wife. And guess how many of the men get? One. Now, before that offends you, I think the Holy Spirit just understands men, all right? Because here's the deal. Perhaps Peter knows even that men can only handle one task at a time, right? Amen. Ladies, you're good with multiple instructions at once, all right? So I'm, let's just say that's the reason. Well, how many have ever heard this? They say it takes 10,000 hours of practice to become an expert at something. Have you heard this? At the end of this month, Nikki and I will celebrate 22 years of marriage. That means that I have over, hear me, 192,000 hours of experience at being a husband. Nikki laughs. She's like, you should be better at this than, uh, you know, right? You would think that I would be an expert, that I would have this down pat by now. But to be frank, this is an area I still need a lot of growth in. Sometimes if I'm honest, I get frustrated because I really thought after 22 years that we would just kind of be on cruise control right now and this would be easy. But how many know that marriage can be difficult? And I have a great wife and I have a great marriage, but even then, marriage takes work. But you know what I've figured out after 22 years of marriage? It is worth the effort. It is worth the effort. Robert Anderson said this. He said, in every marriage more than a week old, there are grounds for divorce. The trick is, (laughs) you laugh because it's true. The, The trick is to find and continue to find grounds for marriage. That's what I want to compel you to do today. I was um, meeting with a couple, Kelly and um, 
Chad, uh, just uh, this last week, I did their wedding just a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was so interesting. Uh, I was meeting with them Wednesday night before church. Nikki says to me, who are you meeting with? And I tell her, and she says, their marriage is already in trouble? Like, you just did their, you just did their wedding. I said, no, 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 this was like the last premarital counseling session that we didn't get to before the wedding, so it's all good. Well, I have a suspicion that I'm not the only one in this room who finds it quite difficult at times to be the godly spouse that I want to be. Do you ever struggle? Would would you ever like to grow in this area? I I hope you do. And and I, I realize that I'm not the only one because here's what I know about marriage. Marriage is honestly not what most of us pictured it to be. All right, it's not what we thought growing up. It's not what we thought that it would be. See, we all go into marriage with a picture, some kind of image of what we think it ought to be. And we quickly find out once we get married that the reality of marriage does not line up with the picture that we had in our minds. And I heard one pastor say this. He said that, you know, many people, because of this, They want to just rip up the marriage to save the picture. Well, this isn't what I thought it would be, so I'm just going to jet. But I think what the Bible would compel us to do is rip up the picture to save the marriage. Amen? The Bible has a lot to say, fortunately, about the relationship between a husband and wife. And what I would compel us to do today is say this. Let the Bible build our image or draw our our picture of what marriage ought to be, not the world. If you grew up watching uh, these kind of romantic movies and uh, if you grew up reading these romantic fairy tales and the happily ever after stories, you've probably got a huge misconception of what marriage is supposed to be. Let the Bible, let the Bible Draw that image of marriage for you, and it'll set you up for success within your relationship with your spouse. Amen? That being said, I want to invite you to stand. We're in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. I'm just going to read the first six verses for context, and uh, then we'll move into verse 7, which is what I'll unpack today. The Word of God says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the Word... They may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and your pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious." For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, verse 7, this is the main verse I'm going to unpack today. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, 
so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I want to give you one main point today, and then I want to break down that main point with three we could call subpoints. all right? The main point is this. Submission in marriage is mutual. Submission in marriage is mutual. We talk a lot in, in the church about how wives are sub, to submit to the leadership roles of their husbands, and that is so true. But we're going to see today that there is a sense in which the husband is to submit to the wife as well. All right, so look at this in verse 7. Look at these first two words, likewise husbands. The word likewise pushes us back to the previous text, the previous theme in which Peter is dealing with the subject of submission. This is what we've been talking about for several weeks. And we find the main verse for this, this is kind of a key verse for this section. It's in chapter 2 and verse 12. It says this, this is the reason we submit to all of these different institutions it says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here is the point. Friends, people are watching us as Christians. They are watching our beliefs. They are watching our behaviors. And we must therefore live in a way that points a dark world to Jesus. How many believe that? Amen. Which means we must maintain an exemplary testimony, which includes the act of humble submission. Let's just look at kind of where we've been talking about this subject of submission. In verse 13 of chapter 3, you'll see that Peter says, Be subject, which means submit. For the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be emperor as supreme or governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Simply put, citizens ought to submit to the government. All right? That means we ought to submit to our, our federal, our state, our city government. All right? Number two, you go down to verse 18 in chapter 2. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and to the gentle, but also to the unjust. The, point, uh, the closest point of application here is employees submit, honor your employers, even the unjust ones. All right, now you go into chapter 3 and verse 1. Likewise, there's that word likewise there. Wives be subject or submit to your own husbands. In other words, uh, God has ordained uh, men to be the, the, the leaders of the home and, and, and wives are to humbly submit to their husbands. But now in verse 7, we see that it is the Christian husband who is to submit to his wife. Now, to be sure, husbands do not submit to their wives in the same way that wives submit to their husbands. But there is a call to humble submission. So the question I want to try to unpack today is, what does this submission of a husband look like? And I have broken this down out of this verse into three basic responsibilities of every Christian husband. Here they are. Consideration, covering, and companionship. All right? And uh, 
This is helping my OCD today because I get to use alliteration again this week where all my points start with the same letter. So number one, here we go. Consideration. Verse 7 says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now the word translated live here means to dwell together. And husbands, you're going to like this part. It, it, it has a sense, it suggests a sense of this kind of intimate relationship. In part, this has to do with a sexual relationship between a husband and wife that should be part of marriage, all right? Proverbs 5, 18 through 20, Let your fountain be blessed in the, and rejoice in the wife of your youth, O lovely deer, a graceful doe. Don't call your wife a deer, okay? This doesn't have the same uh, connotation as it did in, back in the day, all right? Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Men, you didn't know this was in the Bible, did you? Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Then you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 3. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. And most husbands would say amen to this part. All right? I, I just have a feeling a lot of husbands are going to do a lot more Bible reading this week. You're like, this is in here? But here's the deal. Not only is a husband to know his wife physically, but watch this. Here's the, here's the context. He is also to know her intellectually and emotionally. See, most men have the physical part down, right? Like, sign me up for that. But when it comes to emotions and, and understanding your wife, men, do we fall short in this area at times. We are to love our wives, Peter says, in an understanding way. This means we ought to study our wives and be considerate of their needs. After 192,000 hours of marriage, I ought to be a Nickyologist, right? Like a professional Nickyologist. Someone asked Dr. Einstein's wife if she understood his theory of relativity, and she says, No, I don't understand. But she said, I do understand the doctor. And I would just ask you men do you understand your wife? And I see the look on your face. You're like, I've tried to figure her out, right? And that's the big joke today. But as I was, right, like women are so complicated, so difficult to figure out. But men, could it be that they're not actually not that complicated? Could it be that we're just really poor listeners? Could it be that we really just haven't taken the time to understand them because they're different from us? It could be Ephesians 5. 25, husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what Christian's, uh, Christian husband's submission looks like. It's giving yourself up for your spouse. And you go down to verse 28 in the same way. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. That's interesting there. Uh, you know, when I get hungry, I eat. Otherwise, I get hangry. You all right? Anybody with me? If I'm tired, I sleep. Whatever it is I need, my body tells me I need. I listen and I take care of that need. If I'm sick, I go to the doctor eventually, all right? 
if I feel like I'm going to die, it takes that for me to go to the doctor. But um, yeah, so I take care of my own body. And, and Paul in, in Ephesians is saying this, husbands, in the same way, just like you love your body and take care of it when it needs nourishment, that's the way you ought to love your wife. Which again, what's that mean? You've got to listen to her so that you can meet her needs. So the first responsibility of a submissive husband is consideration. There's a second responsibility here. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Watch this. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. So the second part of submission is this. It is covering. We are men to provide a covering for our wives. Now what does Peter mean here by Weaker vessel. Well, we know this. Let me talk about what it doesn't mean first. It does not imply inferiority. As you read through the rest of this verse, you see this could not be the case. It does not mean that women are inferior in any way to men. Men and women both were created in the image of God, which means we have equal value. It does not mean that here that women are weaker intellectually. We certainly know this not to be the case. Weaker vessel here does not imply that women are weaker spiritually. Like, I don't know what we would do without the faithful women, the prayer warriors, the, the, those who uh, serve in ministries in this church. So it doesn't imply that women are weaker spiritually. No, weaker vessel simply means that women generally, I know there's some women who can take out their husband in a moment, but um, generally women possess less physical strength than men. This is scientifically proven. Men have greater muscle mass than women, resulting from uh, the processing of testosterone. And men are known to have denser and stronger bones, ligaments, tendons, so on. And you know, when we look at a passage like this, it's a little bit difficult. It's best to interpret Scripture with Scripture. And here's what I believe that Peter is calling Christian husbands to do. Ready? We are to be... Protectors and providers for our wives. We are to protect and to provide for our homes. All right? 1 Samuel 4, chapter 1, 4 and 5. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. You get this sense of provision in the Old Testament and protection. You just see this over and over where the husband is providing. Colossians 3, 19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Which means we're to honor them. We're never to, to, to use our leadership role to rule with an iron fist. No, we are to nurture our wives. We are to honor them. 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his old household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now let me clarify and say that there's nothing wrong with a woman who works. I don't even think the husband necessarily has to be the breadwinner. I know many pastors who don't make a lot of money and they're Wives work as well, and, and they tend to make more than, than their spouse. That's, we saw last week in Proverbs 31 that there's nothing wrong with a woman who works. All right? But here's the thing. 
A husband ought to be a provider. He ought to be a provider and he ought to be a protector. We have the responsibility to provide for and to protect our spouses. We should never cause them harm. We should never deal harshly with them. But instead, we ought to encourage them, help them, build them up. We ought to build a, be a fortress around them. Amen? It's interesting and that, that Nikki, um, when, when I, I have to travel from time to time, go to conferences, uh, meetings out of town, and uh, there are several nights where Nikki's, you know, we live out in the country and she'll have to be there by herself. And it's interesting, I'll just call her. Uh, normally during the week, she never, you know, when, when I'm at home, she never thinks about anybody breaking in, about anything bad happening. And yet, when I'm gone, she calls me, she's like, where's the gun? How do I use it again? And, uh, uh, and how do you do the crane kick? Because this is why she feels so confident, right, at, at home, because she knows I've got this down to it. Tea, right? Like uh, she feels so safe. <laughs> right? So, so she's, but it's just interesting that, and, and I thought to myself, like, why do you feel more protected when I'm, I'm there? I mean, I, I don't know that I could take out a whole army of people who break in or whatever, but it's just, I think our wives, men ought to feel protected when we are, that we would, that we would give our lives for theirs. I think that's what it is. I'm Nikki's bulletproof vest if somebody's coming in, right? We ought to, see? She's like, I'm not going out. <laughs> Shoot him, right? I, I just, there, there's this sense of protection. So we have the responsibility of consideration, the responsibility of covering, and then finally, we have the responsibility of companionship. And man, this is where many of us fall short. It's an interesting phrase in this verse, Peter says, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Since they are heirs, talking about your wife, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Now he could here, some people think he could be referring to eternal life, which would be true. A husband and wife both can have a relationship with God. We can both share in the hope of eternal life, but Though that is true, I don't believe that's what Peter means here. And many scholars believe that when Peter refers to the grace of life, that he's talking about God's great gift in this life, namely the gift of marriage. The gift of marriage. Marriage is a gift. Okay, I thought I would get a few more amens there. It is a gift. It is meant to be a blessing. Proverbs 18, 22, you probably know this verse. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So marriage is a relationship that is supposed to provide, watch, incredible companionship. A husband and wife are heirs of the grace of life. They get the great blessing of doing life together. Now, this verse would have been radical to the first century audience who would have heard it because in the Greco-Roman world of Peter's day, husbands were not interested in friendship with their wives. The wives were just expected to serve and to bear children. That's what they were for. This would have been a radical thought. But Peter is calling husbands, watch this, to friendship with their wives. 
This means that we men, we have to be home. Think of this. We have to be home. We, ha- we have to be present. A survey was done years ago before cell phones. Keep that in mind. And it revealed that the average husband and wife had 37 minutes a week together in actual conversation before mobile technology. What would that number look like now? Men, we have to be intentional about spending time with our wives. There is a, a, something that I preach all the time. I, I really believe this, that we ought to love what we do for a living. And you ought to love your job. I just think, think you ought to love it. You ought to find something that you love, that you are called to. And I have that great blessing in my life. My jobs are not always easy. But I absolutely love what I do. I I love being a pastor. I mean, I love being a pastor. And I love being an entrepreneur. I have a marketing business. I, I love running a business. I love building websites. There's a problem with loving your work too much, and here it is. It has a tendency to produce workaholics. Many of us men, we... We find our identity in our work, which is not good. We tend to spend more time at work and spend more time thinking about work and pouring into work than we do anything else. One of the things recently that I've done is I've, I've tried to plan out my calendar in such a way, uh, such a way that though I have, I'm, a, I'm a grad student right now, I have a, a business and I'm a full-time pastor and I make sure, unless it's a church night, that I can be off by 6.30 every evening. Now, there are exceptions, but if it takes me getting up at 4 or 5 in the morning to get my work done and take care of my health, my family time is that important to me. And men, we have got to make sure, we've got to make sure that we're spending time at home. Because people matter, right? Our, our kids matter. Our spouse matters. So I, I want to encourage you, make that time for intentional companionship. So if you're a husband, you are called to be considerate of your wife. You're called to be a covering for her, and you are called to be her companion. And then watch this. Peter closes by letting us know that when we fail to do this, our prayers will be hindered. Our prayers will be hindered. You think God takes this a little bit seriously? Like, men, you're called to the leadership role in your home, and if this is not the way you treat your spouse, it, it knocks you out of fellowship with God to where your prayers are even hindered. God has called us, watch this, here it is, to servant leadership. Servant leadership. And so, men, let me just ask you, how are you doing in this area? And I'm not here to beat you up today because I'm not perfect in all of these areas either. My wife and I were talking about this last night. I had a long conversation about how we need to spend more quality time together. So it's not that I've arrived. Listen, you know what this shows us? It shows us, again, the same thing I told the women. It shows us we need a Savior. 
None of us can do this on our own. And the core just value that this has to be like central to your marriage. This is the foundation. Your home has to be built upon Christ. Like your, your spouse cannot be your Savior. You cannot be your own Savior. You cannot be men, the Savior of your home. That's not what Christ is asking you to be. He's asking you to point your family to God, the one who can save, Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher of our faith, the true protector. How can I protect my wife the, the greatest? By pointing her to Jesus Christ so that she might be covered under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. Amen? Because there's only so much I can do with my crane kick. But I'm telling you, God, the all-powerful one, can protect her and my children in every situation. So may we run to Christ today and say, Lord, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit be better husbands, be better spouses. What would our church look like if we treated our wives the way that God is calling us to treat them? At the beginning of the message, I, says that, I said that we, actually men and women alike, we go into marriage with this picture. Certain false expectations we have going in. There's a problem, even though my picture may look differently than yours, you know the problem with every single one of those pictures? It's that we are at, the, I am at the center of every picture. It's about me. Marriage is about me. You want a happy marriage? You want a blessed marriage? Remember, it takes mutual submission. It's when we lay ourselves down and say, this, it's not about me. That's the road to a blessed marriage. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.